Christian life begins with new birth in baptism. Baptism introduces a rhythm of confession and absolution, of recognizing our sinfulness and receiving the forgiveness that gives us life and salvation. And the Lord has provided us with nourishment for the way in which we have to go as we uh, move through life on this earth. That nourishment comes not only from the preached word, not only from our conversations with one another, but also from the Lord's Supper. And so Martin Luther treated the Lord's Supper in the small catechism. What does Luther uh, do with the, the, the sacrament of the altar as he explains it to the, to the little children? Um, first of all, what is it? Well, as you just indicated, he begins his discussion with a definition. Uh, in this, Luther pretty much follows the same pattern he did with baptism. You have uh, the question, what is it? Um, what are the benefits? What does it do? And then uh, he moves on to the question, how can uh, the sacrament do such things? Uh, the fourth question is going to be a little bit different. In baptism, it is what is the significance of such uh, baptizing, the Lord's Supper, uh, who receives it worthily. Um, but other than that, he follows the same pattern for questions. Now, when we look at how he answers what is the sacrament of the altar, he talks about it being the two body and blood of Christ under the form of bread and wine instituted by Christ himself for us to eat and drink. Um, there seem to be three elements here, and I'm going to maybe push the envelope a little bit. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but it's interesting to compare this with his definition of baptism um, in the small catechism also. Uh, under baptism, he says that uh, baptism is not only water, as you mentioned a couple of segments ago, uh, but it's water that is um, enclosed by God's command and contained in God's word. Uh, there, Luther seemed to have been making a distinction between command and word, command being Christ's institution, baptized, uh, word perhaps aiming a little bit more towards um, the promise. Mm -hmm. Um, and the way he even handled it in terms of uh, Matthew 28, I uh, was, was more intrigued by his translation than our English translations uh, of Matthew 28, namely, uh, go and make disciples of all the pagans, he says, mm -hmm. uh, in which he captures the Old Testament understanding of nations as being those who uh, live outside the covenant community, those who live outside the church. But there in baptism, he had water, the command of God, and then the promise, in this case, the uh, promise of grace, incorporation into the body of Christ, and so forth. Uh, when I look at the Lord's Supper, you seem to have three elements, too. I'm not sure they quite correspond in the same way, but uh, certainly you have the institution of Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, you have an earthly, physical element, uh, bread and wine. Uh, but now, instead of the word or promise that he mentions in baptism, here he says, body and blood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I would like to think it's because body and blood, basically, that is the uh, uh, promise, uh, that is the gift in the Lord's Supper. So in each case, you sort of have three components or three elements uh, to the definition. Uh, 
and, and there is then a parallel if we understand that for Luther, the body and the blood could be nothing else than the promise of God. Uh, exactly. The body and blood is the gospel itself, uh, in the same way that in baptism you have the promise of new birth. Mm -hmm. uh, now, so each one of these things has an importance in its own right. I think Luther emphasizes the institution, the command of Christ in both baptism and the Lord's Supper, in large part because uh, the church of his day had as many as seven sacraments. Um, refresh my memory, I think there were baptism, confirmation, uh, holy matrimony, um, uh, ordination, uh, confession, Lord's Supper, and last rites. Mm -hmm. Did I catch them all? You caught them all. And the, all of those um, may have been working with the definition that when you add the word to an element, it becomes a sacrament. I think Luther even mentions this in the large catechism, a definition that goes back to St. Augustine. Uh, the difficulty, though, is, one, they may not all have God's command or institution in the same way. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Last rites may be an apostolic custom. I don't know that you would say it has a, a dominical institution or, or that it was commanded by Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, similarly, they may have a, a promise, in this case, marriage, for example, a promise that God will bless them, but it's not a promise of forgiveness or salvation. Mm -hmm. So I think Luther emphasizes the institution of Christ as key that's not when we add the word to any element or any action that it becomes a sacrament. It's not a sacrament properly unless it has Christ establishing it behind it. Uh, for which reason you have two, maybe three if we include absolution. Um, at the last section that we looked at. Um, so in some ways that might have been directed against the traditional definition of the sacrament. Uh, Luther really stresses the command. Uh, also, over against Rome, I suspect, um, uh, he emphasizes uh, the form of bread and wine. Some might suggest that looks like transubstantiation, whereby the, the transubstantiation is a, a theory from the Middle Ages, whereby the bread and wine are transformed or changed into a body and blood. They still have the appearance of bread and wine, but they're really not bread and wine anymore. It's just an outward appearance. Um, the Augsburg Confession talks the same way or uses the language of form, but here Luther is stressing, I think, that um, it's still bread and wine, uh, even though it is now body and blood on account of God's, uh, or on account of Christ's institution and on account of his word. Uh, but more immediately, and you hinted at this in baptism, uh, the immediate context probably really is more the, those Radical groups, did you refer to them as? Or That's what scholars call them uh, nowadays, yeah. Um, uh, those who, especially maybe Ulrich Zwingli, uh, who denied that the body and blood were present, that instead uh, the Lord's Supper was little more than a um, memorial, me memorial meal or representation of Christ um, with his body being in heaven, not on earth, um, one can't speak of the true body and blood uh, being present. And uh, what difference does that make? Well, 
for Luther, uh, the way he handles this in the second question, what are the benefits? Um, the body and blood of Christ delivers to us the forgiveness of sins. Again, it's that sense that God is, is present doing something among us. Yeah, uh, very much so. Um, in other words, no body and blood of Christ, uh, no forgiveness of sins. Uh, the body and blood of Christ is whereby Christ is present among us, delivering his gifts. I think it's also worth noting in how Luther answers that, that where there's forgiveness, there's life and salvation. Mm -hmm. uh, so that there's a sense that forgiveness of sins we may think of in merely relational terms. We're reconciled with God. Mm -hmm. I probably shouldn't say merely. It is pretty <laughs> significant yeah. and important. But only in relational terms or only in terms of, of wiping our sin away. I think this is a way of saying that forgiveness is the power of God for even the, something like the resurrection from the body. Or that it is the uh, power of God whereby we are uh, kept close to Christ, uh, re rescued from uh, Satan, uh, rescued from death and the like. So life and salvation provide slightly broader conceptions of uh, salvation uh, to go along with the forgiveness of sins. The reality of it all. When the sins are gone, we are restored to that, that kind of life, that saved state that Adam and Eve were yeah. in. Yeah, very much so. And flowing from this is the third question, well, how can this be? Mm -hmm. uh, the same question that he provides on the topic of baptism. Here, uh, one of the things I have to say had puzzled me, especially when I was um, a teenager and in college, is the way Luther answers this particular question, is to emphasize, on the one hand, that the word is the essential thing in a sacrament. And it's because of the word that uh, the Lord's Supper delivers the forgiveness of sins. Well, I, I have to admit, when I was in college, I sometimes asked the question, well, so what's the big deal about the real presence? What's the big deal about the body and blood of Christ being present? As long as the word is there, um, and where the word is, there you have forgiveness of sins, uh, life, and salvation. Uh, but again, I think we have to look at Luther's words where he says that the word is the chief thing in the sacrament. Now, what is the sacrament? It's the body and blood of Christ. And this again goes back to that second question, namely, no body and blood of Christ, no forgiveness of sins. Well, at that point, it seemed to make sense to me as to why this was such a big issue in the Reformation and why this became the issue over which um, Protestantism kind of fell apart. Mm -hmm. uh, because some might say, well, you know, what's the big deal whether the Bible is present or not? The word is there, forgiveness is there. Well, I think Luther is emphasizing, and even more strongly in the large catechism, if the body and blood isn't there, the gospel isn't there. Now, to be sure, it's the word that brings this about. Uh, the institution of Christ, uh, the blessing of Christ, uh, and so forth. But once you realize that uh, what's at stake is the gospel, 
then you can understand why Luther and his followers uh, fought so hard uh, to confess uh, the real presence of Christ's body and blood because it really came down to people receiving the gifts of Christ or not. I grew up being, as a Lutheran, a little bit embarrassed about the sacraments. They were sort of off to the side of the Bible and, and, and the sermon and the like, and I didn't know quite how to explain them to my Methodist or Presbyterian friends. And so I was shocked a couple weeks ago when one of our students came in, and we were talking about evangelism, actually, and he said, well, the, the, the sacraments, of course, are, are the most powerful form of the word we have um, for witnessing to other people. And I said, well, no. Um, the sacraments are hard to explain. What do you mean? Isn't it better just to talk to people about Jesus? And he said, well, no, because the sacraments are so very concrete. They actually bring forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation to us. And so in, in evangelistic conversation, we can hold out the promise of being invited to the Father's Supper table so that people can actually, in a very concrete way, um, uh, be put in contact with their Lord. And I said, uh, that just shows that you young guys are postmodern and I'm still modern. Uh, but I thought it was interesting, uh, a completely different perspective than I'd heard before on, I suppose, what Luther was talking about uh, when he had that, that um, little scenario in, in his treatise on confession and absolution in which the peasant comes to the priest and receives absolution then says, now I want to go to the sacrament. And the, the priest says, um, I just gave you the forgiveness of sins. Wasn't that enough? And he said, well, I know that's sufficient, the peasant says. Um, but isn't it wonderful that God gives us his grace in so many different ways? And so uh, the, the offer, the gift, the conveying of, of the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation in this concrete form is really kind of special for people today. I think that's more important than ever before because American Christians in particular are longing for a direct encounter or experience with God himself or an experience with Jesus himself, but too often that is uh, apart from the word or they're looking for a particular feeling within their hearts rather than recognizing that God actually meets them at a specific place at a particular time and they come into contact with Christ here in his body and blood as well as in baptism and the other forms of the word.